God is at work through His local church and through the teaching of His Word. This morning on MyBridge Radio, we are pleased to share a favorite message from New Life with campuses in Kearney, North Platte, and Ogallala. Here's Pastor Jeff Baker. 1 John chapter 4, let's jump in. How many of you guys have ever played, when you were kids, the Rock'em, rock'em Sock'em robot game? Come on. Come on, somebody. Where are those games at in our life anymore? It's a game, it was a game of random choice. The only way you could lose is not hit the little white buttons, right? But you hit these little white buttons and the arms of the robots are and then eventually, bam, you hit your opponent in the chin hard enough and pop, up goes the head. And you're like, the victor, right? Rock'em, sock'em, robots. I loved that game. I really did. I really did. I kind of feel like in today's world, a biblical worldview is in the ring with an antichrist worldview. I feel like it's kind of rock'em, sock'em. And many of you are getting hit by an antichrist, just an anti-Jesus belief system that's an anti-biblical system that John talks about here in John chapter 4, and that you get hit by this, you get hit by it long enough and hard enough that eventually, boom, you blow your top. And here's how, here's how it goes down. You don't know what to do, so some of you, some of you have responded in a non-Christ-like fashion. I'm going to tell you right now that the battle that we're seeing being played out in our world of darkness creeping into every crevice of society. All that creeping in is the darkness and and that's battling against you and some of you have responded wrong to it and you've turned this, this spiritual battle into a physical battle. And I'm going to tell you right now, the love of Christ living in God and the love of Christ that is to combat or push back the darkness is not a physical pushback. You, we don't make other human beings our enemies. That when you make other human beings who believe differently than you, that maybe believe an anti-biblical or an anti-Christ mindset, you make them the enemy, you have done no good for the cause of Jesus Christ, and you've only set yourself up in a position where now the truth that's in you can no longer truly be effective in them. And so some of you have been punched so many times with philosophies and statements and you know, ideologies that you're, you blew your top and you responded wrong, or if you haven't, that's what you told yourself you're going to do. You give me a chance to speak with them. I'll give them a piece of my mind. Bam, right? I'm just going to tell you that there's a different way to respond. Others, unfortunately, as a pastor, I've heard people um, take this approach way too often. And that is that over time, they get punched with this anti-Christ mindset and viewpoint in the world we live in to the point where they get beat up so much that they eventually succumb and they give up their faith and they give up their truth to accept a lie. Neither one of those approaches is going to be a healthy approach. So 1 John chapter 4, he addresses this question for you and me. Basically, here's the question. How do we win the victory in a world filled with an anti-Christ belief system? And I want to address that today because I think that's what 1 John chapter 4 is addressing. And the first thing I want to highlight for you is that our world that we live in in 2023, we tend to think like it is the worst ever. But our world is just like the world that John lived in, okay, thousands of years ago, a couple thousand years ago. And here's how we know that, because in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, it says this, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit that they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. 
Here's what I know from that scripture. I know this. There were people walking around going, hey, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of God. I am a prophet. Listen to me. I'm the oracle of God. I'm the voice piece of God. I've been sent here with this special message from God. No, you shouldn't question it. You should just bow down and obey it. And he's going, watch out for those people. Be careful of those people. He's also going, there are people that are just simply walking around claiming to be speaking by the Spirit of God, but they're not speaking by the Spirit of God. They're speaking by the Spirit of man. And they're speaking from, specifically, in John, 1 John chapter 4, they're speaking specifically from a spirit of the Antichrist, an anti-biblical spirit. And he goes, watch out for these people. Now, look, we don't maybe deal with the same things that John dealt with. Let's just make it real, right? I mean, John didn't have the internet. John didn't have a cell phone. John didn't have an airplane. John didn't have a car. So if John wanted to go and experience other cultures or other countries, it was going to take months, right, possibly a year or more to go round trip someplace. I mean, we're talking long journeys to explore things that are new. John is being inundated in where he lives and what he knows by people that were living like this. So that means that the, the permeation of people that are preaching a false, uh, a false doctrine, proclaiming a false Jesus... Um, declaring that they are vocal pieces of God was all over the place. And guys, you guys get it, right? Like, that's where we are today. We just have a different kind of access than John did. Did You you guys know that 24-7, right? 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can go online and listen to a false prophet anytime you want to. And some are and don't even realize it, right? I mean, we have access to that. You can go online today and discover some false religion that was designed last week and a website was posted out there for it. Unfortunately, we live in a day where some patriarch, Christ-centered denominations have turned their back on biblical truth, and now they have adopted the lies that come from an anti-Christ spirit, and now are starting to implement those into the doctrine and the behavior of their churches. This is the time in which we live. And so we deal with some of the same things that John dealt with, but we also deal with some unique things. This whole climate crisis that's going on, that kind of almost drives a person to, to believe that they are to be the worshiper of the earth in some capacity, is not biblical. We don't worship what God created, we worship the creator. Now, I do believe that God, God does like, declare to us that, man, you should take care of what I have created. Right? So I am a firm believer, take care of it. Like, behave properly in it. Like, do your best to preserve it, but in the end, you don't worship it. And it's like a, that's like a false you know, spirit that's out there. you got this gender spirit of the anti-Christ mindset that's an anti-biblical mindset that's going on right now, where there's this deceptiveness of gender identity, gender attraction. And God basically says this, the gender I made you is perfect, by the way. The way I made you is perfect. I made you both man and woman, and he designed the, that to be a union together, all right? That's not just my opinion, that's God's opinion. And so there, you've got that going on. But now in our day, which probably is more prevalent than was happening in John's day, is you got, uh, you got these greed spirits of an anti-Christ mindset, which are an anti-biblical mindset. And unfortunately, you got churches and pastors that are preaching this anti-Christ mindset that God wants everybody to be rich. I'm just going to tell you right now, God doesn't want everybody to be rich. Because for some of you, if you became rich tomorrow, it would be your own demise. Now, here's what I do know. Wealth is not the issue. And I would encourage you as your pastor, right, do all that you can to build the wealth that God has given you. Make smart business decisions. Make smart investment decisions. Plan for your retirement, right? Plan as if you're going to be 100 years old, but live your life as if Jesus is coming back tomorrow. 
right? Like, do that. The problem isn't the money. The problem becomes when we worship the cash, right? And I think we all get that. All of those things and many, many, many more are what I'm referring to and talking about and what I think John's dealing with here is the practicals of an anti-Christ spirit that permeates the heart of the human being and leads them astray away from a biblical worldview. And that's the world that you and me live in. And I could go on and on and on today and keep listing off these antichrist spirits that are at work around us, but guess what? That's not gonna solve anything. That doesn't help by just harping on these kinds of things. Some of us feel like that's the solution. That's not the solution. Remember, the solution is to figure out how to live in God. Because we figure out how to live in God then, then we don't eat the fruit of the lie of the Antichrist teaching, and we hold on to the biblical teaching in this world in which we live in. So I believe that John gives us some instructions on how do you win the victory in a world that's saturated with an Antichrist belief system. And to do that, first and foremost, he starts with this simple principle that you have to resist worry and fear. Resist worry and fear. Some of us, we, we love our worry and we love our fear. It kind of becomes our talking points. In fact, I think, I think that if we solved the issues of worry, fear, and complaints, that there wouldn't even be a need for coffee shops anymore. Because <laughs> many times we're at the coffee shop so that we can share our worries and our fears and our complaints with one another. But that's not who we are. We are people of hope. And when we get saturated in our worry and our fear and our complaints about what's going on in the world around us and this anti-Christ belief system that's like encroaching upon, you know, my freedoms, when my attention's on my worry and my fear, guess where your attention's not? It's not on Christ. And that's a great trick, that the enemy gets our mind and our mindset all wrapped around something to where we're so tied up in knots on the inside, we, can't, we haven't even thought about the solution being Jesus. We're just caught up in our worry. And so, but we're people of hope. And I think that John starts out um, in this letter and he starts giving us a picture of hope in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Here's how I think hope starts coming out. All right, look at God's word. It says this. But you, you belong to who? You belong to God, my dear children. You have what? Already won a victory. You've already won a victory. I don't know about you. That's hope. How many people like to win? Did you realize? Did you realize you've already won a victory? But watch this. You've already won a victory where? Over those people. Now let's be very, very, very careful on how we interpret those people. Because you might be those people. Let's be careful. We would tend to read this from our American perspective, and we would make those people our enemy. Those people, though, Jesus died on the cross for. Those people right now are anti-Christ, and they are pro a worldview that is absent of Christ. That's those people. Jesus died on the cross for them. He's put us here on this earth, he has opened your heart up to his truth so that you can be a part of being a beacon of light in a very dark world to hopefully somehow, some way, be a part of the salvation of the souls of those people. We gotta be careful not to make those people our enemy, though. 
Because that's not what John's saying here, and that's not God's intention to us. So where's the hope? Where is the encouragement? Well, first and foremost, those people can't be your enemy, or you're not going to find the hope in this passage. Hope is, starts with this statement. You belong to God. Would you just say that out loud? Say it this way, though. Make it personal. I belong to God. Say that with me. I belong to God. There's hope in that statement. No matter what you're facing, you belong to God. Now, here's why that's so encouraging, right? If, if God gave you Jesus on the cross to die for your sins and he rose again on the third day, what, what won't God do for you? What won't God help you solve? If God already solved the most difficult equation of your life, the salvation of your soul, do you think that's where God stops? And he goes, you figure out the rest. No, if God went that far, won't God work in other ways in our lives? And if that is true, shouldn't that be an antidote to my worry and my fear that's happening on this earth? That if God can solve the problem of my sin, nothing is impossible for my God. Because I belong to God. Secondly, though, I see in this scripture, this is super encouraging. You've already won a victory. But here's the problem with that. We look at the world around us, and I think, I think this, is a, this is an Achilles heel of Christianity. We, we kind of almost like the score to be 100 to 10. We, we almost kind of feel like, hey, look, man, it's 100 to 10. We're down. We got to fight our way out of this thing. It's almost kind of like we like being the underdog because we think if we're the underdog, it gives a justification to my worry and my fear. And we, you know, we got this like mentality in Christianity that just this fear of losing, and it's almost kind of become our identity. And I'm going to tell you right now, if that's your identity, there's no hope in you. Worry and fear have become your diet. But watch this. Consider this with me. God the Father, God the Father took his son, Jesus, led him to the cross, his one and only son, led him to the cross, John 3, 16, because he loved the world, not to condemn the world, John 3, 17, but to save the world through him. He led him to the cross and allowed him to die, then allowed his body to be put in the grave on Friday to be resurrected on Sunday. Now that's good news, but why? If God could do anything, why doesn't Jesus breathe his last breath on the cross and then all of a sudden God go, life comes back into Jesus, Jesus goes, steps off the cross and just floats his way through it like he's Iron Man, right? And people are like, oh man, what in the world? And all of humanity bows down and they worship him. Like, why didn't he do that? If he can do anything, why does he let his son go to the grave on Friday to be resurrected on Sunday? See, many thought God had lost, but God knew better. Satan thought he had won until the, the, the tomb began to shake. And I'm here to tell you today, you want hope that overcomes your worry and your fear? Consider this, Christians. Christianity isn't facing a loss. It, yeah, sure, the truth might seem like it's being diminished, Sure, it seems like the darkness is getting darker, but Christianity isn't facing a loss. Here's what I know about my God. Get ready, because the local church is getting ready to shake like the tomb shook one day. Jesus is alive. Something dynamic is getting ready to happen with his church again. That's what I know. That's what I know. And when you got that in your heart, what happens to worry and fear? Because if he did it with his son, I'm telling you, he's doing it with his church. Worry and fear will cause you to miss out on the next big move that God has for his local church. 
So how else do you win? John continues on with his wisdom, being led by the Holy Spirit as he writes this. He goes, look, you also win by striving for greater sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Now, that one statement by itself could be a whole sermon series. So please forgive me as I quickly go over a couple of things. There's a massive difference between the knowledge of the Holy Spirit and the surrender to the Holy Spirit. Big difference. Let's go back to the verse we just read. 1 John 4, okay, verse 4. But you, you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people. How did you win the victory over those people? Read the rest of it with me. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the... Greater is the spirit in you. Look, we got, we're looking outward at the darkness and this anti-Christ belief system that seems like it's encroaching in on us. And we have somehow got our eyes so focused out there on the problem that we forgot that the power of the creator of the universe, the Holy Spirit, is living in you. And we forgot. And so we're going, look at the problem. And Jesus is going, look at the solution. <laughs> like, have hope. Have faith again. Lean in. There's got to be a greater sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Sensitivity. Like, think of sensitivity from the aspect of, like, a marriage. If you're married in this room, Kim and I just recently celebrated, guys, 36 years of marriage this past week. Come on. It's a miracle, right, that she has endured me this long. Put up with me. Thank you. Continue to pray for her. But think about the sensitivity, okay? Now, when you were first married, you thought you knew each other. But after 36 years, here's what you're finding out, that there's so much more to know. That after 36 years, there is still more to grow in in learning the sensitivity that fills my wife's bucket. And in reverse, that there's this language that seems like it just continues to grow. The language of love continues to grow and the sensitivity to her needs continues to develop inside of my heart and vice versa. And if that's what happens in a marriage and it's going to develop that way throughout the course of the entirety of your marriage because you, you do realize that at 50 years old, your, your life looks different than it does at 20. And then at 70 years old, when you're still married, your life looks different than it did at your 50s. And in that process, you're learning sensitivity because life is changing. And if that's what happens in a marriage, how much more does it happen between you and your relationship with the Holy Spirit who lives in you? So there has to be this ever-increasing and growing sensitivity to the voice and to the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so can I, I would encourage you to maybe take these steps right, uh, in your life that you would lean in and start figuring out how to listen more to the voice of the Holy Spirit where? Like when you read God's Word. Like, look, you've heard me say this before, and I always want to drive it home because it's such a powerful principle. That when you read God's Word, don't just read it, but before you read it, ask the Holy Spirit, would you speak to me as I read this? When you go into your time of prayer, maybe you want to like start your prayer with, Holy Spirit, help me to dial down everything else and become more sensitive to what you're saying so that I can hear your, your intuitive voice as you lead me in this prayer. And I might find myself praying about something that I never intended to pray about. I might find myself asking for something I didn't even know I needed to ask for. I might find myself repenting of something I didn't even say I needed to repent of. That's the Holy Spirit's voice leading and guiding you. Can I also say this, that look, no matter what you do in life, okay, you're a mom of three kids or you're the CEO of a company, 
It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to God because he's given you each individual specific roles and each of those roles matter and they matter a lot. So why don't you start your day by saying, Holy Spirit, guide me through the day. That would be a way to grow in your sensitivity. Another way would be just to daily recognize, I need to surrender to the Holy Spirit more in my life every single day. And maybe you want to engage in a kind of a prayer that kind of maybe goes this way. Holy Spirit, lead and guide my thoughts. Maybe that's where your greatest Achilles heel is. So maybe that's where you focus. Holy Spirit, lead and guide my thoughts. Or maybe it's lead and guide my emotions. Or it's lead and guide my actions. Or Holy Spirit, protect me from me. How many of you guys know we are our worst enemy? Protect me from me. Maybe it's this. Holy Spirit, protect me from sin. Or Holy Spirit, help me today as I go through this day to like, lead me through the temptation so I don't get caught up in the temptation. Can I just make one last recommendation on just the sensitivity element, which I get it. Like I'm just like just brushing the surface. But I think another element of you want to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, have more gratitude for his leadership in your life. Have more gratitude for what he's doing in times when you don't even see it, his wisdom, his love, even his closeness. Be more thankful. I know this, I'm more sensitive to my wife's needs the more thankful I am that God gave her to me. And if that is true in our marriage, then isn't it also true in our relationship that we have with God through his spirit? So sensitivity to his spirit is what's going to help you win the victory. But you're also going to win when you saturate yourself in God's word. This is the next thought that John throws out there for us. And I want you to think about it. Like, you know those old school, um, old school sponges? They were like hard and bristly. And you're like, how is that going to do anything? But then when you get it in water, it just kind of sponges out. And, you know, it gets soft. And then it sucks up all that water. And then you take it over to the sink. And you can just wring it out. And like, you're like, wow, here's this brick-like thing that turned into a really, you know, useful piece. And in a similar way, saturating your heart with God's word is vital to your life, and here's the reason why, because the spirit of the Antichrist has a different viewpoint than the biblical viewpoint that we're talking about here today, and many are going to be led astray by it. So the more you saturate your heart with God's word, the more your heart has the ability to defend or protect you from the lies that sound like truth, but they are not. They sound good at times, and others are just whacked out. They sound good at times, and you might kind of be entertaining it only to realize you're entertaining a lie that's going to lead you astray saturating your heart with god's word is part of what helps you like sustain or achieve the victory that god has provided for you first john chapter 4 verse 5 the apostle john says this about the topic he goes look those people okay remember that meaning those people who have bought off on a worldview lie right those people belong to this world so what do they do they speak from the world's viewpoint now watch this and the world listens to them. Have you ever been watching the news, reading an article, or seeing a post on social media, only to go, that is the most ludicrous thought anybody has ever said, only to find that the whole panel that's listening to the topic is going, yep, that makes total sense, yep, I agree with it, yep, I think we should implement that law tomorrow. And you're going, what in the world? Or you're seeing this post, and you're watching the behavior of people down line on this post. You're going, how in the world do you agree with this? This is the craziest thought I have ever heard of. Like, this is going to destroy children. This is going to be detrimental to women. This is going to hurt marriages. This is going to destroy the city, right? 
Like, it doesn't make any sense. Well, here's the reason why that all happens. John just said it. He goes, those people belong to this world. So they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world goes, thumbs up. I love it. I think that's the smartest thing anybody's ever said. And that shouldn't surprise you. But when it does surprise you, that's when we tend to start responding in a way that's going to do more harm than it is going to do good. So we have to realize that there is a worldview that is an anti-Christ, anti-biblical worldview, and then there's a biblical view. A biblical view. And when you saturate your heart with God's truth, then here's what begins to happen. It starts to act, and maybe you don't even know anything about this analogy, and if you don't, then you know, it's okay, but I guarantee when I'm done with it, you're going to thank God for what I'm getting ready to tell you, right? The, the Bible, when we saturate our heart with it, it acts like a firewall in the network at your business. Now, if you're like, I have no clue what he just said. That's okay. I'm going to tell you right now, you appreciate it. Because here's what the firewall at your business does. The firewall at your business keeps out the person that's trying to like break in and steal all your files. The firewall at your system says, no, you're a user that's not accepted here. Nope, you can't come in. I, I know right now you're already thankful for it. The firewall at your system is what protects your system, your files, you know, all the activity that happens at your place of work protects it from viruses and malware and all those kinds of things. The firewall is what protects you. Now you may not have known what it was, but you're thankful for it because nobody likes a virus. Nobody likes their, their information stolen. No one likes their credit card to be frauded. Come on, somebody. When you saturate your heart and your mind with God's word, it acts like a firewall. And when the lies from an antichrist worldview try to seep in, it goes, no, you shall not pass. Lord of the Rings, people. <laughs> right, that's what it does. Um, but here's, here's what else it does. When you saturate your heart and your mind with God's word, it starts connecting you with God. Here's what else it does. It secures your victory. Now, God's, God's given you the victory. It secures your victory as you saturate your heart with more and more of God's word. And here's what else it does. You're going to love this. It prepares you. It prepares your heart to respond correctly to what John's talking about, those people. That when you find yourself in those like, conversations where things are kind of going in a direction that just gets your blood boiling, when we saturate our heart with God's word, we start to see something supernatural happen. The character and the nature of God starts coming out in us at times that will actually surprise you. And I love those moments because that's the Holy Spirit protecting you from you, right? And that's what God's Word does. The final thing that John highlights, you know, to help you win the victory is this. He says, get closer to your church family. Yeah, he actually says that. Look at 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 6. He says, look, we belong to God. And then he goes, and those who know God listen to us. Meaning that there is a fellowship of believers that we all belong to God, and we know who belongs to God because when we speak about the things of God, their heart lights up and they go, I'm in on that, right? But then he goes on, he goes, look, if they do not belong to God, then they don't listen to us. Pretty simple. And that's how we know if someone has the spirit of truth, a biblical worldview, or the spirit of deception, an antichrist worldview. Get closer to your church family. Lean into those who have a similar belief, fellowship with them a little bit more. Not to isolate out the rest of the world, but because you need it. You need to be strengthened. You need to be built up. Here's the reason why. Because we know that we live in a world that's hard to follow God. Why? Because we live in a world that doesn't want to follow God. But it's especially hard to stand up for your faith 
in a world that's filled with an antichrist belief system. And so because of that, John gives us this one last promise of hope that comes from our Lord. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 through 17, he says this, God is love. And all who live in love, they live in God. And guess what? God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. You, you want to be a beacon that brings change to a dark world? It's probably not going to happen by you stepping up on your soapbox and you know, giving, giving the one, two, three of the gospel. It, it's, it could, most likely it's not. It, it's going to happen by, by us living the love of Christ to community that hates Christ. But see, what John just taught us is that you can't muster up more love. But what you can do is you can lean into living, living for God or living with God, or like he says, living in God. You live in God as you saturate your heart with God's word. You live, you live in God as you get closer to other believers, right? You live in God as you increase your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit at work in your life. You live in God as you suppress you know, fear and worry and the complaining as your hope becomes greater and greater in our God who nothing is impossible for. Like, that's how you live in God. And as you live in God, guess what happens? Love starts to, starts to grow. And love becomes, John says, perfect. A perfect love. For what? So that you can love this world that's anti-Jesus. So you can love this world. So that you can love God more. You want to be a beacon or an agent of change in a world that seems like it's getting darker and darker. And that darkness is encroaching on you. Here's how you do it. Live in God. Because when you live in God, then the love of God saturates you and it comes out of you at just the right moment to bless those around you. When you don't even recognize it, you're more loving. When you don't even recognize it, your words are more loving. When you don't even recognize it, your actions are more loving. When you don't even realize it, your life is being used to push back the anti-Christ belief system and establish a Christ-centered belief system in the hearts of so many. But it's done by living in God so that the love of God can be perfected in us. Thank you for joining us this morning for a favorite message from Pastor Jeff Baker at New Life. If you'd like to hear this message again or more like it, check out Heard On Air on the MyBridge Radio app or online at mybridgeradio.net.